0: Welcome to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Amen. Today, as you're having a seat, get your Bible and go with me to Acts chapter number 21. This is the story of us, not just a history lesson, but the lessons of God for our life. God wants us to learn. God wants us to see the things that took place before us and understand how we ought to live our life today. Today, I want to talk to you about being caught in the will of God. Caught in the will of God. All of us are called to follow Jesus. Jesus said his meat was to do the will of God. And we all should be following the will of God for our lives. And here in the book of Acts, chapter number 21, we find that Paul follows the will of God and it gets him caught. Remember, he's had prophecies coming to him. Saying that chains and tribulations await him as he heads into Jerusalem. See, like Jesus, Paul had it in his heart to go to Jerusalem. Like Jesus, uh, Jesus predicted three times his sufferings there in the city of Jerusalem, and Paul had three prophecies that we can see in the Word of God that predicted his sufferings. Jesus had followers who told him not to go, and yet he resolved himself to the will of God. And in the same way, Paul had followers who begged him not to go, and yet he resolved himself to follow the will of God. Like Jesus, Paul was opposed by the Jews who plotted against him. Like Jesus, Paul was unjustly arrested on the basis of a false accusation. Like Jesus, the mob cried out the same words, away with him. And like Jesus, he was taken by the Romans. And we, in our lives, remember, this is not just the history lesson of what happened to Paul. This is the story of us. See, we, like Jesus, may be tempted in the wilderness. Some of you guys might have the devil knocking on the door of your mind, telling you, hey, if you will just... Make these stones bread if you just make something happen here. Maybe the devil's got you up on a high place, showing you all sorts of things. He says, if you will just bow down, if you will just back off of who you are, then I'll give all this to you. It can be easy. You might be tempted in the wilderness. You might be in a garden moment right now in the middle of the night, crying out to God, God, if there's any other way, God, I can see the path ahead is hard. God, I don't know if I can take it. And yet, God, not my will, but your will be done. Like Jesus, you might have had family members that thought you were crazy and tried to talk you out of your Christianity, tried to talk you out of the course that you're on, and yet you might have to take a stand and say, who's my mama, who's my brother, who's my sister? It's those that are doing the will of God. And just like Jesus, you might have everybody close to you scatter. You might be betrayed, might be handed over to things that you think, God, what's this all about? And yet... We are to follow the will of God. You're going to get caught in the will of God from time to time. Acts chapter 21, verse number 17 through verse number 25. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says this in Acts chapter number 21, starting in verse number 17. It says, and when we had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. Notice that the church receives this company with the Apostle Paul. Now, the company that was with the Apostle Paul was both Jew and Gentile. And yet they were received by the church, okay? So the church didn't have any prejudice. They were welcoming. They were inviting. And verse number 18, on the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. So James is the half-brother of Jesus. He was considered to be the senior pastor of the church at Jerusalem. There were pillars, Peter, James, and John, and the church in Jerusalem. Now, notice only James is mentioned, right? Peter might have been traveling. He might have been ministering somewhere, uh, you know, and, and so we, we, we just see that James was the apostle there and, and probably the pastor over that church, but also the eldership was there. Now, they would have all been Jewish because this is a church in Jerusalem, all right? Make sense? And, and so yet the company that's with Paul went in with Paul to that eldership, to that leadership, Jew and Gentile in that group, and yet they're received in. Again, there was no prejudice there was no keeping the people out verse number 19 when he had greeted them so Paul greets them it says he told in detail those things which God did among the Gentiles through his ministry remember unusual miracles were done by the hands of Paul Paul probably had a lot of testimonies to share and it says in verse number 20 when they heard it they glorified the Lord they rejoiced they were happy about everything that happened they, they weren't like what God's doing what with the Gentiles that's wrong no they were like this is amazing this is awesome And they said to him, you see, brother, how many myriads of Jews there are who have believed, and they are all zealous for the law. Now, to our Western mindset, and really to our Christian mindset, we have maybe a theological problem with those verses. Because they believed, and yet they're zealous for the law. And we read books like Galatians that say, the law will not justify me. I can't do the works of the law to gain any favor with God. It's not about the law. It's about the blood of Jesus. It's about the grace of God. It's about these things that have freed me from the law. I'm no longer bound by the law. Cursed is everyone who's under the law, right? And yet we read that James is happy about them. The elders are happy about myriads of Jews. When it says myriads, do you know that not just talks about hundreds or even thousands? That really is talking about tens of thousands. See, this is probably a span of 30 years since Jesus has ascended. Maybe 25 to 30 years, somewhere in there. And so in that time, the gospel has been spreading out. But remember the epicenter, the place that that started was Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and then to the uttermost ends of the earth. So while Paul was having miracles, signs, and wonders going on, they were just continuing to serve, continuing to witness, and continuing to see the church grow. And now there are tens of thousands of Jews who believe. Believe what? Believe that Jesus is the Messiah. But remember that Jesus was a Jew, And these people are Jewish, and the customs of their time, the way that they had lived life was under the law. And so even though they believed that Jesus was the Messiah, they were still zealous for the law. And James didn't have a problem with that. The church didn't have a problem with that. And can I tell you something? I don't believe God had a problem with that. Because when we get to heaven, God's going to straighten out all of our theology. Many times people get mad at the Messianic Jewish community for meeting on Saturdays and still being Jewish. I'm sorry, they're Jewish. Let them be. Are they believing in Jesus as the Messiah? Are they leaning on his substitutionary sacrifice for forgiveness for their sins? Great. Then guess what? They don't need a sin offering any longer. They don't need the burnt offering. They don't need the day of atonement. The atonement has taken place. But if they want to continue to celebrate the feasts, if they want to continue to be Jewish, then hey, let them do it. That's a part of who they are. So it goes on. They're zealous for the law. Look at what it goes on to say in the next verse. It says that, But they have been informed about you, that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, nor to walk according to the customs. Now, we've been reading the book of Acts, right? Does anybody remember the Apostle Paul ever teaching the Jews that? When he went into the synagogue to say that he spoke against Moses, told him, you should not be circumcising your children. No. What did he do? He proved from the Scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Never said, stop being Jewish. Never said, don't circumcise your children. Never said any of that. Just said, Jesus is the Christ. And they got mad and they ran him out of towns for that, right? But to the Gentiles, remember, there was a problem because the Judaizers came in and they said, you need to circumcise your children. You need to do this and that. And they said, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. These are not Jews. These are Gentiles. Let's not lay any burden on them that we couldn't even bear. We're not going to make them hold to the law. So was he teaching the Jews that? No. Was he teaching the Gentiles that? Yes. They don't need to hold to the law. They just need faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember, they outlined some things that we will review as we go throughout the chapter. But they've heard these false things about him. Verse 22, what then? The assembly must certainly meet, for they will hear that you have come. Verse 23, therefore, do what we tell you. They've got some advice for Paul. This is James and the eldership of the church At Jerusalem, the first church, the church that got started on the day of Pentecost, the church that all of the other churches have been launched out from. This is the church. Are you listening? And they just told the Apostle Paul, do what we tell you. Okay, you got that noted in your thinking. Therefore, do what we tell you. We have four men who have taken a vow. Take them and be purified with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads and that all may know that those things of which they were informed concerning you are nothing that you yourself also walk orderly and keep, notice the words, the law. You walk orderly and that you keep the law. Silence their mouths. Paul, we know you go to synagogue on Saturdays. Paul, we know that you took a vow and you shaved your head. Paul, we know that you're Jewish still. And we know that you're not teaching the Jews not to be Jewish. We know that you're not teaching them against Moses or any of those things. In fact, if you read the book of Romans, he confirms, is the law evil? No, certainly not. It's good. Taught me how to know whether or not there was sin on the inside of me. But am I justified by the law? No. So they said, silence the mouths of the people who would be whispering and speaking about you. Verse 25, but concerning the Gentiles who believe, notice they come back to the Gentiles. Again, there's a distinction that's been made. Concerning the Gentiles who believe, we have written and decided that they should observe no such thing except that they should keep themselves from things offered to idols, from blood and from things strangled and from sexual immorality. You remember we summarized these things into three points. We said that they should honor God, that they should value life, and that they should stay pure. And I believe that those are things that today that we should incorporate into our lives. We should honor God, we should value life, and we should stay pure. Can anybody say amen? See, they didn't want the Jews to stop being Jews anymore than they wanted the Gentiles to be Jews. They said, hey, listen, we're going to silence these accusations. We're going to move forward. Now, from this point on, Paul goes and does what they say, and something happens. Let's take a look at it together in Acts chapter 21, verse 26 through verse number 36. Again, I know that this is a lot of scripture, but I know you guys can handle it, all right? Verse 26, then Paul took the men, and the next day, having been purified with them, entered the temple to announce the expiration of the days of purification, at which time an offering should be made for each of them now again this is not a sin offering this is an offering to the lord there are different offerings that you can offer to god there were peace offerings there was thanksgiving offerings there was free will offerings all of those offerings are still acceptable before the lord but he didn't need a sin offering because jesus is the sin offering so it says that he made the offering that should be made for each of them verse 27 now when seven days were almost ended the jews from asia hold on wait a minute We remember these guys, don't we? Remember, Asia is not like China and that sort of thing in India and Russia. No, Asia is Asia Minor in the Bible. Modern-day Turkey. This is the place where there was a church called Ephesus. You guys remember Ephesus? Remember what happened to Paul in Ephesus? You remember the riot that took place? Remember the, the Jews from Asia that were stirring everybody up in the whole city? Now it's the day of Pentecost. Paul wanted to be in Jerusalem at the feast, and so he's traveled there. But Jews were required by the law to travel for the feast back to Jerusalem. So Jews from Asia, the same Jews that stirred up all of the city of Ephesus against Paul, are now here in Jerusalem, and they See Paul there in the temple. Seeing him in the temple stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him. They just did the same thing that they did in Ephesus. Verse 28 crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against the people, the law, and the, this place. And furthermore, he's also brought Greeks into the temple and he's defiled this holy place. Now, he didn't bring any Greeks into the temple. He had four men that were Jewish men who had taken a vow. He was doing the right thing, and he was trying to do that for his Christian brothers and sisters who heard lies about him. What lies did they hear? The same lies these guys are shouting right now. Verse 29, for they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. They didn't even know whether he did or not. They just said, oh, we see Paul. We saw him with Trophimus, our friend, the guy that's part of our city, right? Right? And so they just assumed that he brought him into the temple. Never did. Never did. So they start stirring up trouble. Verse 38, 30. And all the city was disturbed, and the people ran together, seized Paul, and dragged him out of the temple. And immediately the doors were shut. Verse 31. Now, as they were seeking to kill him, as they were seeking to kill him, you know, bringing a Gentile into the temple courts was an offense punishable by death. The Romans wouldn't even go in there. And they actually allowed the Jews to kill anybody who offended in that manner. And so it says, as they were seeking to kill him, news came to the commander of the garrison that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. Verse 32, he immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Verse 33, then the commander came near and took him and commanded him to be pounded with two chains, and he asked who he was and what he had done. Remember the prophecies that Paul had received? Tribulations and what? Chains. Remember Agabus tying himself up with Paul's belt and he said the owner of this belt will be bound in Jerusalem? All of it's coming to pass. This is the prophecy happening in his life right here, right now. Verse 34, and some among the multitude cried one thing and some another, so when he could not ascertain the truth because of the tumult, he commanded him to be taken into the barracks. Verse 35, when he reached the stairs, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob. They are in an uproar. Verse 36, for the multitude of people followed after, crying out, away with him. Away with him. Paul, simply doing the will of God, got caught. He got caught in the will of God. But can I tell you something? If I'm going to get caught, I want to get caught doing the will of God. I don't want to get caught in the wrong thing. I don't want to get caught like Jonah got caught in the belly of a great fish because I was running from the will of God. No, I want to get caught. I want to get caught right in the center, right in the middle of God's will, just like the Apostle Paul. And if you're going to get caught, then you got to get caught a certain way, Right? So let's talk about this for a second. A couple of things that I see from the scriptures that we just read. If you're going to get caught, then get caught. Number one is submitted to authority and obedience. Paul never told the leaders of the church of Jerusalem, I don't think that's a good idea. He never said, wait, 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 stop. You want me to do stuff that's involved in the law? I'm not doing it. I don't need to. Never did. They said, do what we tell you to do. And the very next verse, you see him doing what they told him to do. Why? Because that's my pastor. Those are my leaders. They're the ones that are in authority. I'm in their house. I'm going to do what they say. He listened to the wisdom of the leadership. You say, but it got him bad results. But wasn't that the prophecy? Wasn't that the will of God? It didn't get him bad results. It got him the will of God. We think of things in terms of whether it's good or bad for us. And yet God is saying, does not matter if it's good or bad for you? Is it good or bad for the will of God? See, Paul had to get to Rome. There was a certain way that he had to go. He was going to testify in Jerusalem, but also in Rome. That was the will of God. But to get there, tribulations and, and, and chains and bonds awaited him in Jerusalem. So when they told him to do this, they didn't realize that they were a part of the plan of God. And Paul, submitting to their authority, got him right in the center of the will of God. He did the right thing. And yet he got the wrong results. But that was the plan of God. He was submitted to authority and obedience. First Peter chapter 2, verse 18 through 23 in the message paraphrase, talking about uh, slaves, servants, employees with their employers. Let me read it to you, but I want to just bring this truth out to all of us. It says, you who are servants. I wonder, do we have any servants of Jesus Christ in this house? Okay, now we're talking. You who are servants, be good servants to your masters. Not just to good masters, but also to bad ones. What counts is that you put up with it for God's sake when you're treated badly for no good reason. There's no particular virtue in accepting punishment that you well deserve, but if you're treated badly for good behavior and continue in it in spite of it to be a good servant, that is what counts with God. This is the kind of life you've been invited into, the kind of life Christ lived. Remember, we're following Christ, and we're getting caught in the will of God. He suffered everything that came his way so that you would know that it could be done and also know how to do it step by step. He never did one thing wrong. Not once said anything amiss. They called him every name in the book, and he said nothing back. Listen to these next three words. He suffered in silence. Four words, four words, all right, four words. He suffered in silence, content, content to let God set things right. My wife was in the car, as you heard her testify during the offering time, and her and my son were looking online, and somebody was saying some stupid thing about the leadership of this church. And my son said, ooh, I just want to get on there right now and give him a piece of my mind. And my wife said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to pray for them. We're going to bless them, and we're going to leave it with the Lord. See, a retaliation spirit is the wrong spirit. When the disciples came to Jesus and they said, hey, they rejected us. You want us to call down fire from heaven like Elijah did? Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. That's the wrong spirit. See, when you have the Holy Spirit, God says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You're not called to inherit a curse. You're called to inherit a blessing. Therefore, bless. And so my wife and my son prayed, and they said, God, get them. But they said, God bless them. God bless them. May they repent. God bless them. There was a time where I remember coming into a staff meeting and one of the department heads, uh, no longer with the church, but one of the departments heads had it out for one of their employees. They said, This employee is just working too slow. They they just aren't doing good work. And so I want to get them fired today. And, and yet this, this person had some disabilities and some challenges in their life. And we understood that and we knew that hiring them didn't mean that they were going to be the best and the fastest. But this. Department head was like, I'm, I'm getting him out of my department. I just can't handle it anymore. I want to get him fired. So he came in and let everybody in the building know that, and Pastor Jim at the time was senior pastor, and so he comes walking in, and, uh, and so he sits down, and this department head says, Pastor, I'd like to start the meeting because I have something very important to talk about. He goes, hold on, wait a second. I just want to know something. I want to know who put this plate here in front of me. We all looked, and in front of Pastor Jim was a plate with a napkin over the top of it. He lifted up the napkin, and under the napkin was a chocolate chip cookie. And we all looked around the table, and none of us really knew what it was until one of the leaders said, oh, uh, I saw this certain employee come in and put that in front of you, the same employee that the department head leader wanted to get fired. And they said, oh, this, this employee did that. He goes, that employee has their job forever. They said, now what did you want to talk to me about? They said, nothing, Pastor, nothing. We don't want to talk to you about nothing right now. We're good. We're good. It's it's fine. We're, We're all good. See, God will fight your battles for you. You don't have to fight your battles. If you get caught, get caught doing the right thing. Submitted to authority in obedience. Second thing is this. Second thing is this. Is get caught doing the right thing. See, it's been debated as to whether Paul did the right thing or not by observing the custom of purification. I believe that he did. Why? Number one, he was submitted to authority. But also, number two, because he was a Jew. And because his conscience was clear. Remember, God had no problem with it. God never said, don't do it, Paul. He never got a a check in his spirit from the Holy Spirit saying, this is wrong. You don't read him talking about it. Anytime in the Bible, you don't hear anything about it. He talks about the Jews as, hey, they're going to be observing the law, they're zealous for the law, but they believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And Paul said, man, I wish that I could even be accursed for my brethren's sake. I want them to be saved. Yet he couldn't do that. And so he prays for them and believes for them and continues to minister to them, even though they followed him everywhere. His conscience was clear before the Lord. Look at what 1 Corinthians 9.20 says, To the Jews I became as a Jew that I might win Jews, and to those who are under the law under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. Paul didn't have a problem with it. And to the Gentiles, he became as the Gentiles. You know what he's saying? He's saying, when I'm in one house, I'm playing by that house's rules. When I'm in another house, I'm playing by that house's rules. Changes from house to house, right? My brother has a coffee table he lets his kids stand on. And I remember we were over at my mom's house and my, my nephew was looking at my mom's coffee table. And my brother said, the only coffee table you will ever stand on in any house is the coffee table at our house. I said, amen, right? Because he stands on my coffee table. We're having a conversation, you know. Come over here, nephew. Get down off that coffee table. Let me give you a piece of my mind. But I love him. And so they can stand on the coffee table at their house. And you know, we, we got into this game recently called Mexican Train. Anybody play... Mexican. Okay. A couple of you guys out there know this game. You say, Pastor, why has it got to be Mexican? Listen, it's not that kind of a church service. All right. Let's not go there. I don't know why they named it that. It'll probably get canceled soon. So don't worry about it. Right. But we got one called Cardinal Mexican Train. I don't know what makes it cardinal. I don't know what makes it different, but uh, it's a fun game, you know, and you're just lining up domino numbers, that sort of a thing. And when we started learning the game, we had the the rule book and the rules were kind of vague. And so we started playing and and we did what we call runs, right? Where you, if you had a, a number series in your hand, you could just lay them down, bam, 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 bam. And it was really fun and it made the game go fast. And, you know, I don't know about your family, but Around our table, there's a lot of people who are a little ADD that don't want to sit around and just, you know, stare at the same thing for a long time. They want something to happen, and so it made it move for them. And so they were all excited about it, and we loved it. Had friends playing it, and they were all excited about it. And, man, we were just, ooh, look at that, you know, and you'd think that you were all smooth and ready to go, and then someone would win on their run, and ah, you know. It was just fun. Well, we went to Pastor Jim and Debbie's house, and they have been playing this game for a long time with their friends. But they played totally different than us. They didn't have no runs. It was like, you get one. We're like, one? One is no fun. But then we realized there's strategy involved in this. And it started to get fun because, man, it was cutthroat. You think you're about ready to win. You do the double tap to let everybody know I got one left. Tap, tap, right? And everybody's like, oh, man. But then somebody had a double in their hand and they were going to lay that double down because if they put that double down, everybody around the table has to lay something down there uh, until someone lays something down there. So if you didn't have it, you'd have to pull from the boneyard, all this kind of stuff. You're like, Pastor, you are speaking Greek right now. No, I'm speaking dominoes. But here's the deal. When we're in our house, we play by our house rules. When we're in Pastor Jim and Deborah's house, we play by their house rules. See, Paul, when he's with the Gentiles... He would become as one not under the law. But when he was with the Jews, when he was in Jerusalem house, when he came to their house and they said, do what we tell you to do, you're going to submit, you're going to do this. They never asked him to sin. They never told him to trust in that for his salvation. They told him to go through the custom, go through the law. Just do what it says. And so Paul submitted himself to that. Why? Because he was in their house. And so he comes in doing the right thing, and it gets him caught. You know what that shows me? Paul was being the bigger person. Even though he knew he didn't have to do that. Even though he knew that those accusations were false, and he could have just stood up in front of everybody and said, guys, this is false. I don't tell Jews to do that. I tell Gentiles that. Because that's what we agreed on, Acts chapter 15. But he was being the bigger person. He could have said to the leader of the church that he didn't care about the Jews and their feelings. I don't care about them. Let them moan. Let them believe it. Let them think what they're going to think. I don't care. I'm just going to do me. But he didn't. He was the bigger person he decided to settle their hearts by being the bigger person and doing something for their sake see we have such a selfish society today that people can't get outside of themselves it's all about my feelings well they hurt my feelings and they need to say sorry and they need to do something for me and they need to make reparations they need to do all this stuff right everybody's got to do everything for me how about we as the church flip that script we start operating in the kingdom and we esteem others better than ourselves we lift others up we be the bigger person we take the hit we do what we got got to do and get caught doing the right thing they're still going to talk about you they're still going to persecute you they're still going to lie about you but you be the bigger person if you're going to get caught get caught submitted in, in obedience to authority number two get caught doing the right thing and last one for us today is this and this is one that i love and i know you love it too last one is this is get caught in the house of god notice that paul was in the temple when he got caught And if you're going to get caught, get caught in the house of God. Psalm 122, verse number one, the song of the ascents of David. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Psalm 84, verse 10 in the New International Version. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. You say, pastor, but that's the temple. That's the house of God. There's no longer the temple. There's no longer that house any longer. We're the house of God. Absolutely. But in case you didn't know what the house of God is presently, or maybe you were confused about it, and you thought that that was only one aspect, and the only aspect, 1 Timothy 3.15 in the New King James Version says, but if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself, where? In the house of God. And then he defines it, which is the church of the living God. The pillar and the ground of truth. I don't want to be caught in a lie. I don't want to be caught in deceit. I want to be caught in a place that's preaching the gospel. I want to be caught in the place of truth that can hold up my life. I want to be caught in that place. Jesus said, and I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, Matthew 18, 18, I will build my church church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You could have all hell coming against you. The devil could be knocking at your door. He could be trying to push you down, kick you out. And yet, if you're in the house of God, Jesus will build you. He will equip you. He will strengthen you. He will deliver you. If I'm going to get caught, I'm going to get caught in this place. Listen, if you're going to catch me, you're going to have to catch me inside, inside the house of God you going to have to drag me out and shut the doors. Why? Because I might hold on to the horns of the altar and plead my case before my God. Jesus is building his church. Jesus is working in his church. When you follow Jesus... Jesus said, zeal for your house has consumed me. Yet we despise the house of God. We know that the church is not a place with walls, but it's the place where the saints gather. I love you guys online. Love you dearly. It's time for you to come back to the church. I know there are those of you that are distanced, there are those of you that have health challenges, but if you don't have those hurdles, come back, because this is the place that God is working. Jacob went to Beth El, Beth meaning the house, El meaning God, the house of God, the place he laid down and had a dream. You know when you go to church, you get dreams. You can see your life better than it was before you walked in the building. Start to see the plan of God. God starts to open up heaven, speak purpose and destiny over your life. Jacob said, God, if you do all that, I'll even bring a tithe back to the house of God. And he did. And he set up a pillar and poured oil on top of it. See, this is the pillar in the ground of truth. This is the place where God will lift up your life by the word of God. Speak the truth to your heart that will stabilize you. Keep you held up and strong and steady. When the world is falling down, you'll be standing up. And then God will pour out the oil of the Holy Spirit, the oil of gladness, the oil of joy. You will walk out of here lighter. Why? Because the problems are off your back and they're in God's hands. Come on, somebody. Give God a great big praise today. If you're going to get caught, get caught. Submitted to authority and obedience. Get caught doing the right thing. Be the bigger person. And finally, get caught in the house of God. Can we pray together today? Don't get up. Don't leave. Don't log off yet. Let's pray together. What's God speaking to you? Just ask the Holy Spirit that question right now. God, what are you speaking to me? What are you speaking to me? And just let the Lord minister that word to your heart. If God spoke a word, a phrase, scripture, write it down. I know if I don't write stuff down, I forget. If you're here with a faithful friend, a spouse, family member, someone that you know and trust, maybe you want to share it with them right now. Go ahead. Whisper it in their ear. Show them the note that you just wrote. If you're watching in a group online, maybe you're with your family or friends, go ahead. If it's appropriate, share it. Sometimes people type in the comment section the scripture that God gave them. The word or the phrase. You're welcome to share that. You know it brings a, agreement. This power and agreement. It brings accountability. They're going to ask you about it. And make sure that you do it. Father, we're grateful for your word that you brought to our hearts today. Thank you, Lord. That you settle in us your truth which is able to hold us together and hold us up, God. God, you pour in the oil. We thank you for gladness and joy, for the power of the Holy Spirit to live this, God, not just to preach and shout in a church service. God, that's great, but we don't want to stop there, God. We're going to carry this into our homes, into our communities, our places of business. That, God, all the world would know that you are God. We want to get caught up in your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.